Hello, and welcome back to your favorite podcast, That's Not My Problem, where we dive into other people's tragedies and come out a better person. I'm your host, K-Dog. Today's episode, The Northboro Massacre by This story will take us on a magical journey full of action, heartbreak, and most importantly, tragedy. I hope my listeners will walk away from this podcast with some new insights about how safe the world really is and what we need to succeed in all aspects of life. Let's take a gander at my first event in the cozy little school of Cornerstone Academy, where one tiny candy bar turned the peaceful little town of Northboro into a crime scene. Warning, warning, warning. The following content may include some intense scenes that may cause some viewers to have anxiety. Thank you. Life is fragile, like a champagne glass. One moment you could be living the life, and the next thing you know, crash. You could shatter into a million microscopic pieces. Unfortunately, I had to learn this the hard way. It was a warm spring morning, and it couldn't have been a more tranquil day, with birds twittering their morning song, trees standing stiff and tall like they were in the army and were being drilled by their sergeant. I could hear the clatter of Gary the Raccoon rummaging through the expired fast food and empty coffee cups from the burnt-out teachers in the dumpster. Children ran by me, eager to get the day over with and to jump into the weekend. It was a perfect day, or at least that's what I thought, because little did I know the events that were about to take place. The sound of the bell echoed throughout the empty halls as children took their seats at their desk. The air was stiff with the heavy smell of way too much perfume, and that's how I knew that my teacher had arrived. Good morning, class. What a beautiful day, said Miss Simino in her usual uplifting voice. Today we'll be doing a special Egyptian escape room with a prize at the end. The other students exchanged oohs and ahs at the word prize, but I wasn't impressed because I knew that was probably some crummy sticker that would be thrown in the trash an hour after getting it. Eric, one of my friends, ran over to me explaining, Hey, dude, I hope my prize is chocolate, maybe with peanut butter. I was slightly annoyed at the fact that he hoped it was peanut butter in the chocolate, despite the fact that I was allergic to it. But it didn't bother me that much because the chances of getting chocolate, let alone with peanut butter, was a very low chance. The day carried on as usual. 
half dead and barely awake. I had trouble staying conscious at the mindless dribble of lecture after exam, after test, after another exam, etc. I could feel my brain cells melting down into liquid, oozing through my hollow skull as the hours ticked by. Finally, it was the last lesson of the day, right before recess. The Egyptian escape room. Commercial break! Today's sponsor is... Juice that makes your head explode. Which is just his name. It won't make your head explode. Welcome back to That's Not My Problem. I strode over to Miss Simino with my hands in the air like I just don't care, with a gargantuan smirk on my face, as I was the first person to be done with the Egyptian escape room. She reached to the top of her shelf and grabbed a bucket with a butterfly print on the side of it. And to my surprise, she gently plopped a Hershey's bar in my hand. Here's your prize, said Miss Simino. My eyes were blinded by the heavenly light of the Hershey's bar of bliss. Sadly, we weren't allowed to eat indoors, so I had to wait until recess. Time, 1.03 p.m. Recess. I sprinted outside as I tore the wrapper off the chocolate bar. I stared into the Hershey bar's eyes as she gazed into mine. Two lovers skipping in the sunset on the concrete pavement. I couldn't take my eyes off her luscious caramel lips. And before I knew it, I made my move. The delectable chocolate slowly fell victim to my saliva as it melted down to reveal a sweet new flavor with a hint of salt that tasted like nothing I've ever had tasted before. My taste buds flared for half a second, then went silent. But I decided not to go too deep into what it was, because it was probably nothing. But my indecisiveness would soon be my undoing. A few minutes later... I was thrown headfirst into the solid black pavement by the ghastly figure of gravity. I could feel the dust crawling through the cracks of my clenched eyes. I quickly scrambled upon my feet to avoid embarrassing myself in front of my friends. I slowly limped away trying to fight the urge to cry, but the cold hook of my tears trickled through my eyelids and made their way to my chin before dropping to the scolding ground. I could feel my legs quivering and shaking as my head began to throb. My stomach felt like it was digesting itself as my eyes started to puff up. I slowly made my way down to the rusty playground, trying to avoid getting seen by any of the other students in school. But I couldn't. I didn't even have to look to feel the sharp stare of a million eyes piercing my already shriveled body. Finally, I made it to the teachers, trying to cover my face as much as I could to avoid the humiliation of the teachers, while I asked if I could powder my no nose in the little boy's room to which they replied, okay. The lights in the school were like the rays of the sun, burning off my red-hot skin. 
I grasped my stomach, trying to tear out the pain, but stuck like superglue melting into my hands. My pace started to slow down as I grasped and <laughs> coughed for air. I flopped onto the bathroom sink as I drenched my face with gallons of water, gushing and gushing on my blazing face. But it didn't help. My face was still hot enough to cook a Thanksgiving meal for a family of ten. My stomach felt like a balloon that was overflowing with air, stretching and stretching. Gray haze was clouding my field of vision, and everything around me started to dissolve. The last thing I saw before all went dark was my own desperate reflection. Suddenly, I found that I was in my mom's car. Her hand clenched around the steering wheel. I could see the whites of her knuckles searing through her pale skin. I tried to cough out words, but it was hard to do so when your face resembles one of a flustered pufferfish. But before I knew it, the car jolted to a stop. My mom kicked her car door wide open as she swiped the back of my collar and catapulted me into the ER. She shot through all the other patients like a raging train. I saw people look at her like she was crazy, but I knew she meant well. I saw the worry on her face as she ran down the cold, dreaded hospital hallways. My heart was racing. I was sent into the A&E where my mom waited on the other side of the room. One of the nurses told me to wait a few minutes, so I sat there in the chilled, colorless room. I was alone, and the only other person in the room was my greatest enemy, my thoughts. Time began to slow as seconds turned to minutes, as minutes turned to hours. Thoughts started swirling through my head. Was I going to make it out of this? What am I waiting for? How long has it been? Days? Why is the room so small? Has anyone died in here? Then the room slowly creaked open, revealing a lengthy man who had to squeeze through the tight door due to his length. He towered above me at what looked as if he were seven feet tall. He wore a scrub with a white overcoat that was left unbuttoned. His gloves were sunflower yellow with hints of red splattered through the cheap rubber. Blood? Maybe. His eyes were obscured by a thick reflection of my worried self in his goggles. His hair was barely visible because the sky blew boofin that he was wearing. He proceeded to take out the beaten clipboard that looked withered and has definitely seen better days. He began to ask me a few questions, a few of which I didn't know how to answer. He scanned my body thoroughly and showed me out of the room. My mom was sent to get me Benadryl and I drank it and about two hours later, I fell in tip top shape, just a little drowsy. Now, some people may see this event to be horrific and that nothing would ever come out of it except pain and misery. But I see this event as a good learning experience because while I was in the hospital, I noticed how life was nearly taken away by one dastardly candy bar. So I've learned to live every day like it's my last because it may very well be. The end. 
Mic drop. In Ronald Fernman's article, Allergy, it states that observation can show the source of an allergic reaction, but usually you're not able to find the source of allergic reaction by the appearance of the person. Doctors often diagnose allergies using skin testing. When doing this procedure, doctors put extracts of purified allergens as drops on the skin. A device is used to push a liquid into the skin. For each item a person is allergic to, a small bump surrounded by a ring of red skin will appear. Some people may see allergies as a burden, but students with allergies have the opportunity to learn to be more responsible and safe about where they go or where, what they eat. There may be a cure for some allergies, but the best thing to do is to avoid it as much as you can and to be sure to always carry an EpiPen if you have a severe allergy. Thank you. It's time for the end credit song. I know all of you know this song at home, so why don't you sing along? Due to copyright, this song cannot be played. Sad face. Okay, production. The end.